The Phoenix Suns were up eight, they were rolling, and then everything fell apart. On today's episode of Locked on Suns, we'll break down why and what comes next. Let's go. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen after game two. A loss, it doesn't, look, it's not easy to hit play on a day like this. You can find us wherever you get podcasts. If you haven't already, hit follow or subscribe. Get this show in your feed every single day. Join in. We're going through this together. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, neither way, both ways, all of it. We're going to be here. So join in on the community. You can also follow along at Locked on PHX Suns, where you can give me your seven word or less game takes after each and every game this postseason. We have Jacob Winkler at Jacob C 24 with the first one today. It's over. Uh, not a great note to start the show on, but I think that's how people are feeling. We have uh, at John Forsyth. I should be used to disappointment already. My personal favorite one today was... Um, at Jay Carlo, at 89 Bam 890, let's have the arena rockin' Friday. That's the note I'm going to leave it on. Let's dive into the show, though. 97 to 87, the Phoenix Suns lose this game. Huge missed opportunity. There's no way to sugarcoat that. There's no way to not feel like you just took a gut punch even watching that game. Uh, and I feel that. I totally get that a lot of you, if it's Monday, if it's Tuesday morning and you're headed to work or you're doing whatever you need to do with your day, that it just feels like 15% worse. If you're looking, if you're listening on Tuesday night, Monday night, sorry, before the anything's even hit, it feels probably doubly bad, but uh, we're going to get through it. I'm going to tell you guys kind of what I think. We're going to start with the moment of the game as we always do. Today's show, guys, brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. That's last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed with game time. All right, let's dive in. So we have the moment of the game, as always. Uh, first game I did, my big takeaway first, but in this game, they were one and the same. You know exactly where I'm going. The Suns, at the 6 minute and 25 second mark of the third quarter, I have in my notes, all caps, perfect Suns offense. This was a play where Devin Booker had the ball in the pick and roll. Nikola Jokic tried to trap him along the baseline. Booker coaxed Jokic over with his dribble, coaxed the whole Denver defense over toward his side of the court, launched a pass over to, Ke to Chris Paul on the left wing, who was open, who then passed it to Kevin Durant for a wide-open three. That's about as good as it gets. Right after that, Nikola Jokic turned the ball over. Suns were up eight points. It felt like Chris Paul and Devin Booker both were getting to the mid-range and making them constantly. They built their lead slowly but surely, up from three at the beginning of that fourth, two at the beginning of the third quarter, up to eight around the midway point, and then four minutes and 32 seconds hits. And you know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. Chris Paul. KCP gets a put back, and all of a sudden, the broadcast flips to Chris Paul walking off the court. Um... After, uh, actually, I think it was after the Michael Porter Jr. transition dunk, 
And then they finally were able to get a, the, the game to stop. Chris Paul goes to the locker room, replays show that on that putback, he basically tried to jump to kind of contest for the rebound with Caldwell Pope and didn't get the ball, obviously, but also grabs at his groin. Looks like he's in a fair amount of pain. Didn't play the rest of the game. Finishes with 25 minutes. Um, <laughs> looking at his box score, very notable that he was a, a plus eight. I mean, that kind of tells you right there, right? That that's why this was the moment of the game. Um, this is, if if you feel like, if you are a person, if you are a Suns fan who believes that this this franchise is somehow cursed, dating back to the Kareem coin flip, the Paxson three, all of Amare's injuries, the Ori hip check play and the suspensions and Giannis making all of his free throws in game six, whatever you point to and you feel uh, that sort of chip on your shoulder as a Valley sports fan, as a Suns fan, that moment is probably just affirming uh, your, your worst nightmares and your worst dread. Um, but look, it sucked. It sucked. That, that was a tense game. That was a mentally exhausting game. At a certain point in the fourth quarter, I just stopped taking notes, and I was like, let me just take this in. I think my memory can do the trick here. Um, and look, it, it's not fun. Those players, I think everybody in this game played incredibly well. We'll get to the big picture in a second, though. I don't want to move on from moments here, all right, because there's another one that I think mattered, which was the fourth quarter, and specifically... Um, from 6.06 in the fourth quarter to Durant made a basically garbage time jumper um, at the 1 minute and 53 second mark. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant combined to make two, sorry, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant combined to take five jumpers over those four and a half, let's say four minutes. Five jumpers in four minutes from the two best players in the in the game uh, on the Suns, obviously. I think Jokic outplayed them both, but that's largely because they missed all these shots. They missed all of them, all right? So they took five, missed all of them. That included a um, couple of pull-ups by Booker that hit the front of the rim. That included, I think, a Durant three that hit the front of the rim, a shot that was blocked in the right post area by either Bruce Brown or Aaron Gordon. The scorekeeper gave Bruce Brown the block, but I don't think it matters. And then even in there, it wasn't a Durant or Booker jumper, but that was also the corner three by Payne down eight on the right in the right corner that I think all of us knew didn't have a shot. Uh, there's no nice way to put that. That also included the short roll pass to Josh Okogie around the free throw line when he had a floater chance, had a mid-range jumper chance, passed it back out to Booker, and that was when one of his front rim misses happened. So I think there was a DeAndre Ayton turnover in there as well. So that fourth quarter, I mean, look, they had a chance to get back into it, right? So I, I don't want to make it seem like losing that eight-point lead in the third was when everything completely fell apart um, because the Suns were up three going into the fourth, right? Even after Chris Paul went out with the groin, even after some of the mistakes that we saw uh, late there, um, the, the, the KD foul on Jokic, the uh, kind of weird 
stuff that was going on. Um, the it foul on eight in the fourth foul. Like the game got very weird, but the Suns were still able to be up three going into the fourth quarter. That fourth quarter stretch when those guys are missing their shots, the best players on your team. Meanwhile, Nikola Jokic is an absolute monster, magician, freak that even in a game where you walk away feeling like the Suns played him somewhat well, only four free throw attempts, five assists, three turnovers, he still kills you. We'll get to that in a second, but those are the two moments. So really it, it was more like two but I think the one that will linger is that third quarter because the Suns, it just felt like Paul and Booker were carving up the Denver defense, carving them up. Nothing that Denver threw at them was working. They were making their shots. They were moving the ball. That was about the pinnacle of Suns offense that we've seen in these playoffs. They reached that point a couple times against the Clippers, but they found it again. They're up eight on the road in the second half and building. And then everything kind of comes to a halt, and it really sucked. There's no, uh, there's no two ways about that. But let's talk big picture. Let's talk about the Jokic performance. Let's talk about Murray giving very little and why this was such a missed opportunity in the grand scheme of a series, but still not anywhere near the end of a series, as Suns fans have learned. How many times have there been 2-0 leads uh, in recent history here in Phoenix that didn't go according to plan? You all know that. Hope is not over yet. We have a long wait till Friday. We'll talk about the big picture stuff in a minute. First, today's show, guys, brought to you by prize by Game Time. The Game Time app is the official ticketing partner of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We're thrilled to partner with them because, look, I love Game Time. Um, looking for Padres tickets. I'm a Padres fan, even though I have the Diamondbacks hat on. I I love the logos, love the branding. Not a pod, not a Diamondbacks fan anymore. Padres fan. Going to San Diego in June for my stepdad's birthday. We're trying to find Padres tickets. Just cheap. Just something to get in the building. Love the love the stadium. Game Time's the place to go. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals for sports concerts, comedy theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section or row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the, the difference. They want you to have a smooth experience. They want to make sure you come to them because you trust them. Flash deals and last minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets, that lowest price guarantee, as well as an event, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. My favorite part, though, images of seat views. Now, I've been to the Padre. I've been to Petco, right? But I know what the seats are. I know where everything is going to look. But maybe you don't. Maybe you're going to a new city. Maybe you're trying a new sport out. Maybe you're going to a theater you've never been to. Game time will show you what your seat view will be. And it's right there in the app. You don't have to go hunting on some message board or something else. It's right there for you. Download the Game Time app. Create an account. Use the code LOCKEDONNBA to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem the code LOCKEDONNBA. To get $20 off, download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, let's keep going here. 97-87, Suns loss. Big takeaway from the game, missed opportunity. There's no, again, no two ways about that. It is a huge bummer. It is a huge goose egg. I mean, I know that usually means zero, but they didn't score zero points. Uh, they just lost. They got zero wins, and it... It was right there for them, right? And that's what I mean by a missed opportunity. But let me tell you a little bit in more detail rather than just uh, rolling around in sadness here, as, as I'm sure a lot of you are. Let me, let me try to make some sense of it for you. Maybe make you feel a little better. We'll see. First and foremost, you're not going to probably not going to get a 3 of 15 performance from Jamal Murray again. Okay? I, I, I feel validated. Because after game one, and then again on Monday's show with Brandon, I was sitting here saying, 
Jamal Murray, when he's cooking like he did in game one, it is a Kyrie-like, you know, it is, it is just a, it's the most true version of the word unguardable. And to me, because he doesn't rely on getting these downhill opportunities, creating penetration, or, you know, ripping off of screens the same way that Steph Curry does or whatever, he's just there to kind of cook you in, in isolation, in space, get switches and attack those, whatever. You can't overreact to that. My point was, you try to get them into different types of situations. Don't allow them to run so much pick and roll. Don't allow Murray to have the time to choose his own adventure like he was. And the Suns checked all those boxes. I thought Josh Okogie was a, a, a much more impactful ball denier, made Murray feel him much more consistently in this game. They did not run nearly as much pick and roll. The ball was in Jokic's hands quite a bit, and it all worked. I would even say, and this is always one of those difficult things, right? Because I know I, as soon as I say this, Nuggets fans who I know are listening to these shows during this series are going to just start laughing. But if you followed this game online, if you were listening to the broadcast, any of it, the Suns' strategy against the Nuggets and against Jokic as the hub for the Nuggets was sound. Even if the result now, a 10-point loss, 40 points by Jokic, 16 rebounds, all that the box score, the history books, no one is going to look at this game in 20 years and say the Suns did the right thing against Jokic. But if you were watching the game, if you were reading about what people thought online, if you were listening to the broadcast, they did. They did do the right thing. And I think what might be a good way to illustrate that is that it was very similar to what they did to him in 2021, right? Where... They basically said, we're going to make you as a scorer beat us. And that's going to mean that you do not get your teammates going, that you have low assist totals, relatively speaking, that you, you know, because we're not rotating and running around and recovering, maybe we don't foul you quite as much, right? Game one, 2021, Jokic shot the ball 23 times was 10 of 23, zero free throw attempts, three assists, four turnovers, all right? That's that's a complete W. Game three, he did have 10 assists, but was 13 of 29 from the field and uh, two turnovers, all right? And nine, nine free throw attempts, but only made five for whatever reason, off night for him, right? And that, but that was the game plan. Make him do it all, and he can't. No one can. No one can do it all, right? That's just not... It's not an option, uh, I guess, if you're Steph Curry. But even then, you know, fairly close game and some other guys made some key shots. You're never going to be able to do it by yourself. And that was what the Suns did. And so when those two things click, you get a quiet Murray night. Really, the only impactful thing I think Murray did offensively was to get the ball to Jokic. He had eight assists. I would I would guess a lot of those were to Jokic, right? Um, that type of performance from Murray and a, an executing of what you want to be doing against Jokic it's not going to happen twice, probably, right? And that's that, that, to me, is a big part of why it was such a missed opportunity. I think you look at the sun side, and I talked about the missed jumpers in that fourth quarter. I think you could make a very good case that late in the game, Durant and Booker, they were, their legs 
when I see guys front rimming shots and getting their shot blocked by dudes smaller than them, I'm not going to give the excuse because Durant was getting shot, his shot blocked by the Clippers, and you could tell that Michael Malone watched every single second of those Clippers games and told Bruce Brown to do his best Russell Westbrook impression, right? And he is, and so credit to that. But missing front rim, getting blocked, not being able to get past your man, all those things to me feel like tired legs, feel like I played 44 minutes if I'm KD and 45 if I'm Book. But I guess part of why I don't feel like it was necessarily a missed opportunity on the side of the Suns themselves uh, and, and their performance is, look, uh, they were not nearly their best offensively. I mean, they scored 87 points. I think that kind of goes without saying. I thought their approach in the first half was pretty solid. They were incredible in the third quarter. And in the fourth quarter, they went heavy ISO. They started bricking shots. Guys who were not supposed to be involved, like Okogi and Payne, started getting involved a little too much and on and on, right? But the reason it was a missed opportunity on the Sun side is again what they did not allow uh what they did well to limit denver you look at michael porter jr two of seven from the field aaron gordon had uh, a weak much weaker offensive game only made one three he had 23 points in in game one just 16 tonight and did not really impact the glass i thought he was pretty good defensively against kd different story but offensively there christian brown a lot of this game very much looked like a rookie bruce brown did not have his big offensive game. Monty even went so far as to have Ish Wainwright uh, basically in there for two minutes in some of those bench lineups in the first half just to guard Bruce Brown. Weird decision. Not sure I would have done it. They got outscored by six in those minutes, but you you catch my drift. Uh, they were checking a lot of the boxes of things that they screwed up in game one, they fixed in game two, and yet they still get the loss because of all the stuff I talked about in that first segment. Now, I do feel like there are some things that went right for the Suns or, or went right for the Nuggets that maybe don't in the future, right? 21 free throws to just five for the Suns. Um, they got cold from three. Again, so maybe that is a missed opportunity, maybe not. I, I just think it's going to kind of fluctuate based on how their role players play. This was not perfect by the Nuggets. This was not awful by the Suns. But when you limit the two best players on the opposing team to playing less than uh, to being uncomfortable let's put it that way because Jokic basically was his best especially in that third and fourth quarter he was matching shots with book to close the third he was on a complete roll in the fourth they couldn't really they couldn't prevent him from making shots even when they guarded him well but all that said it's a missed opportunity that's not to say that the Suns cannot win the series right and I want to just say this now because the last segment maybe not all of you will make it to we tend to you know Go rapid fire there. The Suns can win this series. The Suns went up 2-0 against the Bucks. They went up 2-0 against the Mavs. Things flip. I think we've seen enough highs from this team to feel like they have more than enough to win these games. These have both been fairly close-fought games that the fourth quarter, the home team pulled away. If you think about it that way, not crazy, not crazy to think that Denver could get the short end of that stick in the future, right? That's not crazy, but I think obviously all attention will turn to Chris Paul now, and so let's turn our attention to Chris Paul as well. We'll start with the rotation, what we saw pre-Chris Paul injury, and maybe where things might be headed 
now that Chris Paul has been hurt. We'll do that in a second. First, today's show, guys, brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix came in, fixed fantasy, daily fantasy sports, without a doubt. They are quick and easy. You can make your entries in 60 seconds or less. They're operational in Arizona, and they offer safe and fast withdrawals when you win. They're available for every single sport, and it's just you versus the prize picks player projection. So not a pool, not a league, not an opponent head-to-head. You versus their projection. More points, more rebounds, less assists, less yards when football season comes around. Whatever it is, that's how it works. During the NBA playoffs all the way through the finals, one prize picks user will also win a chance of becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern time will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry gets another chance at a six-pick flex with the following payouts. Six correct picks gets you a million. Five gets you 80 grand. Four gets you 16 grand. Full details can be found at prizepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at that link to be eligible, and you must submit your entry prior to 8 a.m., uh, after 8 a.m. Eastern on the day. Download the PrizePix app, use the code Locked On to get a $100 deposit match. That's promo code Locked On to get an instant p- deposit match up to $100 at prizepix.com or the PrizePix app. Closing out the show, let's talk about the box score oddity to start because I think it was an important differentiation from game one. I believe the Suns had somewhere around 50 or 60 points in the paint in game one. That was a weird outlier type of thing where it felt like their offense was clunky and yet they got the best types of points outside of threes like we saw and they did get free throws and they did get points in the paint. This game was the exact opposite. They sliced that number almost in half. The Suns only got 30 points in the paint in this game and the Nuggets got almost 50. Now, on the Nuggets side, so be it. Jokic made a bunch of tough shots. It wasn't exactly a bunch of dunks, right? If he's going to make hooks and turnarounds and sambor shuffles, and then all the crazy little flip shots from being a, a polo player, a water polo player early on in his life, that's the alien ability of the reigning two-time MVP. That is totally okay. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the points in the paint on the sun side. And again, leaning, laying into too many jumpers. And that's what we saw. They took more threes in this game. They took 31. They actually took more threes than Denver did. You saw that be an emphasis right away. They were finding the early skip pass to where the defense was rotating away. If they were sending help toward, let's say, Ayton to tag the roller, if they were shading uh, toward maybe the ball handler or whatever it was, depending on the set that was being run, the Suns were finding that help defender's man in the three-point pocket over and over and over. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker were both aggressive taking open threes when they had them, including pull-ups. Very, very good stuff. But you cannot win games if you don't do all of it. I mean, that's it, right? Like, I'm not somebody actually who thinks that the Suns need to constantly be worried about the threes. But I do think they need to worry about points in the paint. Um... That's just the the reality of it. In the third quarter, the Suns only took six shots in the paint. They took one, two, three, four, five, six, seven mid-range jumpers. So they had more mid-range jumpers than paint attempts, and then they had four threes. So 11 jumpers and just six interior shots. And honestly, even one of the paint shots was a pull-up jumper by Chris Paul. So let's say five. Five to 12. That's not the balance. And especially considering you're not going to make all your paint shots, right? So that was a problem, and that needs to get better. Um, 
I'm not sure what really the answer is outside of more transition, which maybe Cameron Payne can help with, assuming he starts, which would be my assumption. Talk about that in a second. Um, you know, get downhill more, continue to find Aiton when you can, cross your fingers. <laughs> I mean, Suns have had str struggles with paint points a lot, but with Duran, it's been a little better. With Booker being a, a, an aggressive driver, it's been better. That's going to be the recipe. All right, rotation. Let's talk about before Chris Paul and then after Chris Paul. So, I mean, nobody different played. It's just obviously Payne and Lee played a lot down the stretch because Chris Paul wasn't in there. I mentioned the Ish Wainwright minutes. Those were a little bit weird. I don't have a great explanation. It didn't make a lot of sense. I don't think Bruce Brown should be treated as some sort of dynamic threat to score that you need to be like rearranging your rotation for, but so be it. They did that. It didn't, I don't think killed them. Whatever. Bismack Biombo got the first half center minutes. Jock Landale had an incredible, in my opinion, third quarter. Um, Landale was getting his hands on, actually, no, sorry, early fourth quarter was when Landale really like made an impact. Felt like he got his hands on like four or five offensive rebounds. He only got counted for one in the box score, but he was immense with his energy. I feel like he was... I didn't feel like he was a, a major minus um, in some of the ways you would think. Getting put on an island defensively, getting bulldozed by by Jokic, any of that stuff. Um, I think his minutes were positive. They got outscored by nine, but that's because Jokic, his tear started to happen while Durant and Booker were missing, and Landale was still out there for uh, a little bit of that. Um, so I think Landale, I mean, we, we said this coming off of game one and it didn't happen. Monty likes to try something for at least one more half, uh, always, uh, which you can criticize him for, and I am right here. But I think Landale will be the backup center in game three. I don't feel like Bismack Biombo has been giving them much in this series. Yeah, he can stay bodied against Jokic fine, but I feel like Jock can as well. Biz hasn't really made an impact as a rim protector, as an offensive rebounder, as a short roll passer. Much Any of the stuff he did against the Clippers hasn't really been there, so not going to prioritize anything that he's doing. I think Jock deserves a shot. Which brings us to the guard spots, right? So campaign did play in the first half of this game. His stint, his shift in the first half consisted of a few minutes, three fouls, and not a lot of impact. And then in the second half, I, I really just think he was pretty terrible. Um, I Like, I hate to say that about players. I don't think that he did, had been done any favors by not getting minutes, obviously not having any time at the end of the, the regular season to, well, he did have time. He was playing at the end of the regular season, but getting hurt at the end of the regular season and then having to come in during the playoffs is what I mean to say. Didn't allow him to get back into rhythm. He was playing like two, three minutes here and there randomly up until tonight. And, uh, you know, then all of a sudden it's like, make your threes, run the offense, push the pace, defend at a high level, and by the way, like, we're down, uh, and you need to bring us back. Like, that. none of that's going to work, right? He made a mid-range pull-up at one point that I thought was nice. You know, he did push the pace in the first half when he was in there outside of the fouls, but this stretch in the, in the fourth quarter was just absolutely brutal. Payne um, threw it to nobody in transition. They missed the call. They gave the Suns possession when they shouldn't have. Then KCP makes a three on the other end. Payne did not even get a hand up to contest it off of a Jokic dime. Then uh, I believe right after that or sometime around that was the miss from the corner. Um, 
it was on both ends and he was he was just really bad minus 16 so um that that illustrates it was worse on the team um I thought Damian Lee was very good to be honest with you in his minutes in the first half especially he was very good crashing the offensive boards from the corner his ball movement was solid and he was taking threes when they were there okay positives there you go you have to make your shots right I mean I guess there's always that sort of like thing we say about players who don't make their shots where it's like, got to find another way to impact the game. Well, if you're Damian Lee, the way that you're really supposed to impact the game is to make threes, space the floor, be a threat on the perimeter so that the defense can't help as much so that you can occupy a defender while the best players go to work. That's what, that's what Damian Lee's out there for. The other stuff is a cherry on top. I mean, imagine what we'd be saying if he made two of his three uh, shots from from deep and also did the other stuff and he had six points six rebounds to us that we'd be like wow Damian Lee they they won the game because of him and he should start in place of Chris Paul right now I don't know what the answer is Lamet uh, Lamet I guess we'll go with that Lamet did not play in this game right so all you guys all were asking for that um I don't mean to like yell a joke around like but it's come on like th- this is exactly what I said if the Suns had a better option than Landry Shamit that was going to allow them to be a surefire positive and win the game, they would have been doing that. Here we are. Damian Lee played a ton over Shamit. Even Wainwright played. Obviously, Campaign played. None of those three guys were a positive when they were out there in terms of plus minus, and none of them made an impact scoring. And defensively, whatever. Nobody perimeter-wise was really needing defense played on them at a super high level. And I guess KCP would be the one, and Payne made some mistakes against him. So there's your replacement for Shaman. The Suns don't have a good option, right? Now they're even one more guy short with Chris Paul. So what would I do now that we're at the very end of the show? I didn't need to talk about it a lot because, look, there's a lot of time between now and Game game 3. Did not want... The Suns to go down 0-2, obviously don't like for the Suns to go down 0-2, period, but uh, especially with this big break. It's going to suck. It's going to be hard. But Chris Paul being having that time to recover, maybe that helps. I will prepare all of you that the Suns will be incredibly coy, and I don't think we will know anything about Chris Paul playing or not playing until 30 minutes before uh, tip-off of Game 3 on Friday night when the Suns tell us who the starters are. That is when we will know. I'm just telling you now. If he does not play, my initial impression just coming off of this game would be to say that I personally would think pretty hard about starting starting Damian Lee or even Landry Shamit um, because I think Booker has proven that the best recipe for the Suns for long stretches of the game at least, and I'm sorry to the YouTube audience, I'm getting allergy nose itches right as the podcast is wrapping, so you're having to see me scratch myself. That has been the best offense. The best way to have that offense is to put shooting around Booker, just the same way that Booker is a shooter for Paul when Paul runs that offense, right? But so Booker needs that. That would be my pick if I was wearing uh, the quarter zip, purple and orange quarter zip that Monty gets to wear and I was coaching the team. But I don't coach the team. What do I think Monty will do? Probably start paying. Um, Put him on KCP, same way that you put Chris Paul on him and hope that he can pull out some of the magic that he had in the Clippers series 
two years ago or, you know, some strong regular season moments that he had this year. I think that's probably what Monty will do, but that's just off the top of my head right now. We'll have more to talk about as the week goes on. We'll have plenty more opinions uh, about all of that. Maybe some reporting about Chris Paul's injury, even if Monty doesn't say anything. Who knows? But it's going to be a long week. Uh, I wish it could be different. Hope you guys are not too down. Uh, Hopefully the podcast and just hearing some thoughts helped you. Everydayers, I'll be back tomorrow continuing to break this series down. Going to try to find some guests. Maybe Howard Beck, our Locked On NBA insider, will come back on. Maybe I'll get one of the guys who's been traveling, covering this series. Uh, We'll see. But plenty more to talk about after two interesting games. Follow or subscribe wherever you listen or watch podcasts. And I'll catch you guys tomorrow.